Hi, I'm Sam Hawley. This is ABC News Daily. We know China's influence is growing in the Pacific, but now Four Corners has uncovered a paper trail revealing just how far Beijing is willing to go to keep its friends in power. Today, reporter Angus Grigg on how a Chinese-backed multi-million dollar slush fund is ensuring the Solomon Islands leader, Manasseh Sogavare, hangs on. Angus, no one's been able to go to the Solomon Islands for quite some time because of COVID, so it's been, you know, sort of two years. But when you went, you found that things have somewhat changed. Absolutely. And the main thing that's changed is China, of course. Mm. It's really impossible to ignore China's presence in the capital, uh, Honiara. I mean, you look out near the airport, they're building this giant stadium for the Pacific Games. Closer into town... uh, the Chinese embassy just towers over everything else uh, in the capital. And then, like, even at street level, there is, you know, garbage trucks driving around that have China Aid logos badged on their side. Mm, okay, so you're noticing there's all this Chinese influence or Chinese money around. Tell me, Angus, what's changed in the past few years? Why is that happening now? Yeah, look, the big change is that in September 2019... The Solomon Islands changed its diplomatic recognition from Taipei to Beijing. Beijing-backed businesses have made overtures to the Solomon Islands government and some local MPs are pressing new Prime Minister Manasseh Sogavare to ditch China Taiwan. China has praised the Solomon Islands' China. decision to cut official ties with Taiwan. The Pacific nation announced plans to establish diplomatic relations with And that Beijing really has allowed um, this huge influx of firstly sort of Chinese diplomacy, Chinese aid money, and then also Chinese businesses and Chinese workers. So all across uh, the Solomon Islands, you just see this huge presence of China now that really wasn't there before under Taiwan, which had a very much more sort of low-key approach to their diplomatic uh, relations. I think the really controversial part of it was that many of the people in parliament and the interest groups and just the sort of population more generally didn't feel that there was a great deal of consultation about the switch to Beijing. And I think that was the real problem. And that's what caused a lot of the sort of unrest that we saw towards the end of last year. Mm, So they were pretty unhappy about this new connection with China. And we saw, you mentioned, you know, these violent protests. I mean, they were pretty extraordinary, weren't they? All the houses, all the buildings here in Renandi industrial area, uh, Renandi 1, is going down in flames. I am Yeah, look, certainly people were really unhappy about that. And first of all, you know, a lot of Chinese businesses were targeted, but also there was lots of um, graffiti and tagging of buildings, you know, China out, Saga stepped down. There was a big sort of anti-Beijing sentiment, if you like, as part of those protests. I should also say, you know, it was also general sort of opportunism, um, you know, looting and rioting, but also, you know, people unhappy about unemployment, about inequality, about sort of lack of opportunity uh, in the country generally. It was a bit of a sort of uprising. Sogavare was in huge trouble. Australia, as we remember, even had to send some police and soldiers in to help try and restore order. So it was pretty bad. 
Look, it was a very big decision for Sogavare to get on the phone and ask Australia to send in troops. He's got a very mm. fraught relationship with Australia, a very difficult relationship. And from everything I've been told, once the Australians arrive, things calm down pretty quickly. We have Australians who are bravely going back to the Solomon Islands to support our Pacific family to ensure that we can have stability. You know, that really allowed him to continue on as Prime Minister because if those protests had have continued and continued, then I think the pressure on him to stand down, that pressure would have really sort of grown and I think he probably would have had to go. Okay, so that was part of the reason why he managed to kind of hold on because things calmed down somewhat. What was the other reason? Yeah, look, China is the other reason, really. There was, or he had access to a Chinese slush fund, Mm. which really allowed him to put some money into the pockets of MPs who were loyal to him. And look, he activated this fund. The first time was in August of last year in the lead up to a no confidence vote in the parliament against Sogavare. And he was very worried about uh, staying in power. I've been called upon to resign as the prime minister of our beloved country. This call, Mr Speaker, was made by the leader of the opposition. And so he activated this flush fund. Those loyal to him, about um, about 38 or 39 MPs at that point, each received 34000 Australian dollars. Mm. And that is money. That's a huge amount of money uh, in the Solomon Islands, um, I mean, even in Australia here. And, you know, that money didn't have to go on, you know, on their local electorate or anything like that. That was completely at their discretion to spend that money. You're saying there's a slush fund, the Chinese are funding it, and then Sogavare is giving these MPs quite substantial sums of money to continue to support him. It's a pretty big allegation. So what proof have you got of that? Look, it is a big accusation, but we actually have a letter here um, signed by the Prime Minister which very explicitly says the PRC, the People's Republic of China Embassy in Honiara, has been consulted on this additional support and have consented to the release of this assistance to support the government. Now, then following that, there is a um, like a spreadsheet of money which shows the 39 MPs who received 200,000 Solomon Island dollars, which is about 34,000 Australian dollars each, for their support of the Prime Minister. Now, we should say that he badged this as a COVID stimulus measure to help the uh, economy recover. But it's very clear that only those in the government or on the government side or supporting the Prime Minister received the money. The opposition didn't get anything there. Mm, Okay. And you did manage to speak to one of the MPs on the list. Yes, exactly. There's one of the MPs, Silas Tausinger, from the western part of the country, He was on this first list in August uh, 2021 because at that point he was actually part of the government Mm. and um, he confirmed to us that, yes, he received that money. Okay, this document was actually um, a document, a funding that was approved for the members. I think it was in August that was approved. All were going to receive 200,000 each. So members of the Sogavare's government. government. Yeah. Now, fast forward to the December payment. There was a second payment. Mm. So this is after the no-confidence vote, which Sogavare prevailed in. He won that. And once again, to ensure that um, he did win that vote, he dispersed uh, a further 
a lot of money coming from directly from the Chinese embassy. And this time it was about $44,000 per MP. And um, look, once again, uh, there's a list of MPs who received the money and you go down to uh, Silas Tausinger and his name is actually crossed out. There's two big black lines through it. And the reason is because he left the government. And he was very clear in speaking to us that he knew he wasn't going to get the money. And it was made very clear to him if he left the money, he left the government, he wouldn't get the money. Oh, yeah, because I left the government. I crossed over. I resigned from government and walked over and joined the opposition. So you didn't get any money? No. Do you think this money helps the Prime Minister stay in power? Well, he's stayed in power, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. So I think it does. So you've told us about these two payments. The first one was 34,000 Australian dollars, the second 44,000. What in total did it come to? I mean, what passed through this slush fund? So in a bit over six months, um, three million Australian dollars was paid to these 38 or 39 MPs mm. um, who supported Sogavare money once again coming directly from the Chinese embassy in Honiara. Mm, Okay, that's a a huge amount of money. Did you approach Prime Minister Sogavare himself? Yeah, look, we did. We, um, you know, before we went up to Honiara, we um, sent letters, we made phone calls, we've spoken to his chief of staff, we've spoken to uh, his press secretaries on a number of times, and they were always fairly vague about whether or not we'd get an interview. Um, then we actually tried to doorstop the Prime Minister at the National Day uh, celebrations in Honiara. Once again, the press secretary said, Look, he probably will talk to you. He's got some time. He didn't end up doing that. Have you got time for a quick chat? Your your press secretary just said you were happy to have a chat. Can you give us a quick chat now? Is your thanks of China a rebuke of Australia, Prime Minister? Since then, we've sent a list of detailed questions, but look, we just haven't heard anything back. Mm. So, Angus, from everything you've had to say, it sounds like, in essence, China is keeping the Sogavari government together and is keeping Sogavari himself in power as Prime Minister. What does this mean for the future of the country if China is really running things? I think the outlook for the Solomons is really depressing, actually. And and Silas said to us that, you know, we're uh, on the verge of being a failed state. From my standpoint, we have become a banana republic, pretty much. Given the the amount of foreign forces that are within the country, you can almost suggest that we are pretty much on on the road to a failed state. And you look at things like youth unemployment, you look at uh, the opportunities for young people, you look at where the economy is going. And it's very hard to be hopeful um, about that country. And I think with China playing an increasing role, then it's fair to say there probably will be more corruption. There will be less opportunity for those lower down on the lower rungs of society. And the slush fund, do you think that still exists? Um, Look, that's a wait and see, that one. What we can say with a great deal of confidence is that the Solomon Islands didn't swap from Taipei to Beijing for less money. So China will be paying them somehow, whether it's through a relatively transparent and open mechanism that we've seen here or whether it comes through other means. I think that's the big question mark. 
Angus Grigg is a reporter with Four Corners. You can watch his full report on iView. You would have noticed interest rates are going up again. Have a listen to Alan Kohler about why he thinks the Reserve Bank needs a shake-up. That's in your feed from the 25th of July. This episode was produced by Sydney Peed. Additional production by Chris Dengate, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is Stephen Smiley. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again tomorrow. You can find all our episodes of the podcast on the ABC Listen app. To get in touch with the team, email us on ABC News Daily at abc.net.au. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.